Welcome to the Eastview Baptist Church Teaching Podcast. We're in a deep dive study of the Gospel of Mark titled, The Jesus I Never Knew, where we plan to get more personal and more intimate and become more Christ-like through the lens of Scripture. We hope that you'll enjoy this teaching and share to make more readily accessible to those you love. We love you and God bless. Let me pray for us really quick and then we're going we're gonna to read the Bible. Anybody come here to study the Bible? Look at this. All right, let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we're just so thankful to be in your house this morning. We're so thankful, God, to study your word. We're so thankful, Lord, that you are the provider, God, that you are the comforter, the healer, God. We could come for you, come to you for all these things, God. And I just pray that this morning, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you personally, God, that today would be the day that they make that personal connection uh, to, to mend that personal relationship with God the Father through God the Son, Lord. And I just pray that this morning, the Holy Spirit or the Ruach HaKadosh, the Numa, God would just touch this people, touch our hearts, and, and point us to Yourself. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, I want to see some equally excited Bibles. You guys! We live in a country where we can have God's Word in our hand. Get excited! Because one day, if we don't have the ability to hold God's Word in our hands, I'm going to come to you and say, if you were excited when we could, we wouldn't be where we are now. Right? So Mark chapter 1. Once you have Mark chapter 1, if you're able, you will stand with us as we read the Word of God together. <coughs> Picking up at verse 29, it says, And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various disease and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns. That I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went through all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. We pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father God, we pray that this morning, God, that your divine word, that your Theopanustos, God, your inspired word would resonate in our lives, God, that you would show us our sins, God, that you would show us your greatness and your magnitude. And this morning, you would just have us as a people bow to you, bow in humble reverence. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You could be seated. <coughs> All right, guys, 10 verses, 10 verses with a lot going on. 
Like how much? Like a lot, a lot going on. We're going to start to work down through it, picking up at verse 29. And we know last week we touched on in the gospel of Mark the power of immediately. We know that in the gospel of Mark, this word immediately shows up directly 41 times, depending on your translation, up to 45 times. Variations of immediately or with some sort of purpose and and pronouncement and speed and, and resonance appears upwards of 65 times in the gospel of Mark. What does this mean for us? It means that God is working fast. And we live in a world where we need God to work rather quickly. I'm blessed and I'm fortunate right now that my children are not in the, how do I nicely say it, the mean age, right? Because something happens in children at about the age of 12 to 13. Cash, can you attest to this? Where children just become mean. Right? And I don't think it's an accident because we know through Scripture there comes what is we refer to today as the age of accountability. So what does this mean? It means at some point in time, we know right from right and wrong from wrong. In other words, we know what we're doing and we know the eternal consequences of what we're doing. If you're new... Uh, following along with us here, I've told this story before. It's a great time to, to use this example. I was about 12 to 13 years old. Can I, my, my men, you're going to be angry with me for a moment. I know you will. Because most of y'all are hunters, right? Raise your hand if you hunt. Heather's like, I'm, I hunt. Right? I don't have the, the, the heart to pull the trigger anymore. Why? Because when I was about 12 or 13 years old, I had a younger cousin named Marcus. And, yep, I just name dropped right there. Could have been any of my cousins, but I'm just going to put him out there. He's a younger cousin, and I was influencing him, but I was the bad example. And we were like 12, I was probably 12, so that made him 8 or 9. 7 or 8, 8 or 9, I don't know. And... Addie, close your ears. You don't, need to know, you don't need to know this about us. But we were in my Uncle Gary's driveway, and the age of accountability found me right there. Why? Because we were eating plums from the plum trees. Anybody love plums? Woo! Oh, God's people. We were eating plums. Only the ones from the tree. Don't eat the ones from the ground. Lesson learned. Very valuable. Uh, hold on to that, children. And we were eating plums, and from the tree fell... A little tweet, tweet, baby bird. Oh, y'all, y'all know where this is going. And this little tweet, tweet, baby bird. Cashlin, don't think differently of me after this. He didn't even have full feathers yet. And Marcus is like, do it. Yeah. And I'm the older one. And maybe you're, you got like wishful thinking. Y'all are like, oh, y'all are going to save the bird. No. No. You think way too well of me. I am a chief sinner. And so I have Marcus stand beside the little tweet tweet baby bird. Y'all are like, surely you're going to get gloves or something so you don't touch the baby bird. No, I wouldn't got the pump BB gun. Yeah, age of accountability hit me right there. 
Anybody have a pump BB gun? Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. After about that fifth pump, I don't think you're doing anything, just to be honest with you. Like the fifth one, I think. They, after that, it just kind of like, you know. So I pumped it probably more than I should have because I shouldn't have pumped it any times. I shot the baby bird. Yep, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And in that very moment, I'm not kidding. I grew up in church. In that very moment, like I knew right from wrong, but in that very moment, smacked me right there. That was the age of accountability. I knew I was a sinner. Rest in peace to the baby bird. And so these kids have a tendency in today's world to be rather mean. This is not a new thing. People have a tendency to be rather mean. And in biblical times, they called it what it was. Demonic presence in people's lives. And we have watched... Anybody seen any scary movies? Don't raise your hand out loud. We're in a Baptist church. Alright, now that we're together, these people who haven't seen scary movies, we've stigmatized demons and unclean spirits to be like this boogeyman presence. And if you follow the biblical narrative, there are demons and unclean spirits on a lot of people. Some of them are oppressed. What does this mean? It means they can't break free from the unclean spirit or the demon in their life. And then some people just face demonic temptation. Demonic or unclean temptations. In other words, <coughs> old Nat, in the words of my, my, my mentor, old Nappy Chin and his band of banjo-playing thugs are working hard. I cannot take credit for that depiction of the devil. That was Richard, my mentor. <laughs> what we have right here in this passage of Scripture... Is unclean spirits, demonic presence working on someone's life. I'm going to stand before you right here. Might catch some flack for this. My email address is jessicalamb41250. <laughs> In today's world right now, people are being both oppressed and tempted by unclean and demonic spirits. And we have let the boogeyman mentality move us away from it. Where we stop calling it what it is and say, well, they're just mean. Well, they're just... No, they're just under temptation from the devil. Nappy Chin and his thug band of banjo playing fools. Amen. And we see right here the power of immediately. Do you know how we cast these things out of our lives? Immediately. In other words, when you see it, you call it out and say, Get thee behind me, Satan. And immediately, he left the synagogue and he entered the house of Simon and Andrew. Or we know him as Peter and his brother Andrew. Alright, last week we talked about how people, maybe it was Wednesday night, we talked about how people move around a lot. Anybody ever moved around a lot? Who in this room, let's, let's do hands real quick, has moved more than five times in their life? Raise your hand. Who in their lives has moved more than seven times? Who in their lives has moved more than nine times? 
Here I am. All right. On the flip side of this, who has lived in the house that they were raised in their whole life? Wow. You see how no one person, two people. Well, Sophia, you're just you'll move one day. But Ray, Ray, seriously, think of this comparatively. One person versus all the hands of people who have moved and moved frequently. In this culture, you pretty much lived in the house you were born in. Notice that I said born in. Yeah. All the good intimate details. that You were born in. You shared with your immediate family. And if you moved like twice in a lifetime, you were just a vagabond. And pretty much, I would venture to say most adults in this room have moved two or more times. Yeah, vagabonds. We see immediately, they go to Simon Peter. They go to his house. They go to Andrew's house. And now Simon's mother-in-law. All right, really quick, guys. Who has seen the chosen and the life of Jesus and all the documentary, all the movies? Alright, if we don't tell the truth in church, we're liars. That's a sin, right? So who's seen some things? And we, we know that typically these depict the disciples what? Not a secret. These are grown men, like in their 40s. Probably not accurate. Why? Because they are still uh, early in their profession. And when a rabbi tells them, the, the, the ultimate call of a rabbi was to tell followers, come and follow me. And if you were really lucky, uh, there's different schools. There's school, uh, Bet Sephora, this is ages five to eight. Beth, Bet, uh, I don't remember the middle one. And Bet Midrash. Nobody makes it to, 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 to bait Midrash. These are the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the guys who are really good at studying the books of the Bible. And so only. Once you had graduated Bet Midrash, or Bet Midrash, would a, a rabbi give you this very clear call, come and follow me. Can I just enlighten you all for a moment? Every single one of us are unqualified, and yet God has made a very clear call to us through Jesus Christ. Come and follow me. We are, in biblical standards, what would be called a mamzer. A mamzer is someone who is an outcast, undeserving. They could have been born out of wedlock. We are all these outcast terms. Every one of us. And yet Christ Jesus calls us with the clear command of a rabbi to the most acclaimed of students. Come and follow me. If that don't give you goose pimples, work on your heart condition. And I don't mean in the physical, I mean where the eternal state of your heart rests. Because to realize the grace that was extended to us in our undeserved state, yeah, that one will cut you deep. And immediately, Simon, who's likely the oldest, and we know from right here, 
In, in this culture, you could be married anywhere between 13 and 15. So how old do we know Simon is at least? 13 to 15. <clears throat> now you'll remember, Simon and Andrew had their own boat. James and John still were on whose boat? Their dad's boat, right? So they could be a little older, but just still in the family business. Or more than likely, they're still in the apprenticeship stage. They're still learning the trade. Simon and Andrew, we know then, are likely, just with all things accounted, this is extra credit, you're welcome, are going to be anywhere between 17 and 23. Probably not older. Man, that took that 40-year-old Peter, you saw, really flipped it on its, on its head, right? These were young men who Jesus used to save the world. What can He do with you? Some of you guys are really well educated. God can use that if you give it to Him. Some of you in this room may be financially very secure. What can God do with that when you trust Him with what's actually His? Some of you have a gift of talking to people and they just listen. What can God do with you if you actually let Him use you? <clears throat> and immediately, they tell Jesus about Simon Peter's mother, his mother-in-law. There's this call to immediacy still. And we see that He came. Anybody like to see just really cool, unusual things in the Bible? Just one nerd in the room. Two, three, four nerds in the room. Five nerds. Here we go. We like to see unusual things. Alright, verse 31 right here. And He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Anybody see anything unusual? He came, sick woman, lifted her up by the hand. Alright, now let me put you in the Eastern culture. For a, mari- for a man to touch a married woman who is not his wife, taboo. For a man to touch any woman pretty much who was not his wife, taboo. Jesus we know is rabbi. How do we know? Because what do the disciples call him? Rabbi. What command does Jesus use to call his disciples? Come follow me. What is that the ultimate call of a rabbi? This is the only known recorded, and you can go and fact check me here, the only known recorded occasion we have of a rabbi touching a sick woman by the hand. Now we got something unusual going on, right? And we know that Jesus will tell His disciples... The dependent on their level of faith and their commitment and their amount of study is basically the gifting that they have. Why? Because we have some demon-possessed people come and they say, hey, we're bringing this guy because your disciples, they couldn't do it. And Jesus tells them, man, you got to study more. you got to pray more. And now look, Jesus, the ultimate rabbi, Jesus, the ultimate teacher here, touches the unclean woman. And look what happens. Immediately, the fever left her. 
Did he say fever come from thee? Fever leave this woman. No. Did he make any commands here to heal this woman? Or did he simply touch her and she was healed? He simply touched her and she was healed. And that evening, here's the context of why. Why he didn't directly command. It just, he touched her and it left. Because remember back up in verse 21, they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, all right, so all these events, everything we saw occur last week, and then go into Simon Peter's house. This is all one day. So verse 32, that evening at sundown, or the beginning of the next day, we're out of the Sabbath now, right? Why couldn't he heal this woman outside of the synagogue, outside of the temple? Because it's the Sabbath. Trying to keep a low profile. What did he tell the demons when they were cast out in the synagogue? Shh. Everybody practice that one real quick. That was, look, in Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, all the languages. Be quiet has a universal uh, tongue. Y'all ready for this one? Practice it together. Shh. Wow, you just said be quiet in every language. And the demons know who he is, and we talked about this last week. They both physically know who he is, and spiritually they know who he is. The entire nefesh, the whole soul, the whole being that is Jesus incarnate on the earth, they know it all. And immediately, what are they going to want to run and do? Tell the other demons, Son of God is here! Immediately, shh, don't you say nothing. And that evening at sundown, they brought to Him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. Again, here's where we have a distinction, right? There's a difference between being afflicted with something, comes and goes, finds you where it wants to, and being oppressed by something. Oppression does not leave. There are very likely people in this room, I'm sorry, I've got to just put it like it is, who have an oppression to things like porno- pornography, have an, ag- an oppression to things like alcoholism, have an oppression to the, the, the things that are just the most taboo, the things you don't talk about out loud. There are very likely people in this room who are oppressed by these issues. And what do most of us do? We're m- mostly, if you're, if you're suffering these things, you're probably going to be a man... Maybe you're a woman. But men, what do we do when we are afflicted or oppressed by something? Be honest. We, we suffer in silence. Right? To be a man and admit your faults. To be a man and admit your sickness, your illness. To be a man and admit it. That's weakness. Where did that come from? Where did that lie come from? Because the best way that I read my Bible, when we have sickness, when we have illness, when we have oppression, we bring it to God, call it out, and leave it behind. 
And we wonder why in our pews, in our, 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 our houses around, in our society, we wonder why people are possessed and afflicted by these things and carry it around. Call it out and leave it at the foot of the cross. Stop carrying your dirty baggage around. When Christ made His plea on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because all the things that me and you carry around in that moment, in that very instant, He took all of them on that you and I don't have to carry it anymore. And we know in Matthew 11, picking up in verse 28, when he said, come to me who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, bring the things to me, and I'll carry your burdens. I'll remove the yoke from your neck. Come to me, for my yoke is light, and my burden is easy. But men... I don't know. <clears throat> Men, don't raise your hand. How many of y'all have ever dealt with depression, anxiety? How many of y'all have actually dealt with it? Went and seen a professional? Yeah. Why? Because it's one of the dirty things and we don't talk about it out loud. Why? Because your society that's broken and afflicted tells you you can't? Because your society that pushes things like human trafficking to the forefront tells you you can't talk about your sin? Yeah, maybe you're listening to the wrong influence. Maybe we're listening to the wrong voice. Men, women, children, everybody in this place right now, you don't have to carry that burden any longer. It doesn't matter what it is. And the fever left her. <clears throat> Alright, what's her first reaction, y'all? Did she go, let me call Beatrice and tell Beatrice about what happened? No, they don't have phones. Right? Does she go and run and do something else? Or does she immediately begin to serve them? Amen. I tell people it's easy to, 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 to witness. It's easy to tell people about Jesus. You just have gotten some wrong idea in your mind. I was this way. Now I'm this way. The cross happened. Jesus happened in my life. I was a sinner. I'm still a sinner. But I've been saved by a Savior who took on my sin. That took on my affliction. It's just suffering silent. What if she suffered in silence? What if Simon and Andrew let her suffer in silence and said, Oh, we don't want to worry him. We don't want to bring this to him. They cared enough about this woman to bring Jesus and say, We need you, God. We need you, Jesus. We've tried all the things that man can do. And here she is. Tell me today, are you tired of trying all the things that man has to offer and you want to come and bring it to the foot of the cross? 
The Sabbath is over. And immediately, they bring all who are sick and those who are oppressed. All the different variations, all the different levels, all the people who needed healing were brought. I don't want to trouble God with it. It's just a toothache. Have you tried the toothache with Jesus? Right? Oh, it's just, it's just a headache. Have you tried the headache with Jesus? Because as good as BC powder works, Jesus Christ works a lot better. And they bring all who are sick, and I'm sorry, but in a minute, I'm going to get kind of vulnerable. I'm going to get emotional, and I'm going to share with you something because I've lived it out. And the whole city was gathered together, verse 33, at the door. Y'all, they've jam-packed this house to the point people are just having to be onlookers outside. And He healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And He would not permit the demons to speak. Why? Look again. Because they knew Him. They know ultimately who He is. Not just who He is here, who He is. We know of an instance later where, where, where Jesus just plain out asked Peter, tired of the sugar coating, I'm tired of beating around the bush. Simon Peter, who am I? He says, you're the Son of God. Have you in your life declared Him to be the Son of God? Hell's full of people who knew he was a good guy. Hell's full of people who knew he was a mighty healer. Hell ain't full of people who knew that he was Lord and Savior. As a matter of fact, hell contains no one who knows him as both Lord and Savior. It doesn't matter how ugly the sin was. It doesn't matter who you were hiding the affair from. It doesn't matter what the sin was in your life. Christ Jesus overcame it all. We just want to suffer in silence. Jesus brought three things here in this passage, guys. Healing Solitude and purpose. Healing, solitude, and purpose. I told you guys, <clears throat> it's not just my story to tell, this is Jessica's story to tell as well. I was never someone who was just like, I want kids and I just want... The three-bedroom, two-house, my two-and-a-half children, American dream. I was a if-it-happens-it-happens happens kind of person. My wife was very clear and she knew what she wanted. Why? Because I really believe God had told her what she was to have in her life. But we have Finley. 
You talking about proud papa, y'all? I'm talking instantly. As soon as they said you can touch this kid, I took him and I selfied. I'm not a picture taker, guys. You're not going to find a bunch of selfies. But that one you found. Because I was proud papa. And it was really good. But Jessica knew she wanted another one. She wanted that second child. Let me tell y'all something. Seven and three. There's a decent gap right there. <coughs> About two years, not kidding, two years into Finley is here, we started trying. Be fruitful and multiply. It's in the Bible. We're married. <laughs> That's why marriage is safe for a man and a woman. Amen. And we wanted that second child. We wanted. Notice, we wanted that second child. We wanted that second child. And about three years in, so about a year into trying, there came this realization it just might not happen. And then that next year was full of a lot of mourning for my wife. And then me as a husband, a lot of mourning for watching my wife not get the thing that she knew God called her to. And then I'm not kidding, guys. There was a weekend... I was a youth pastor at that point in time. <laughs> there was a weekend where we had started talking about the church planting thing and we kind of had those conversations. And there was a weekend where we just said, look, we know what our family dynamic is. We went on a weekend trip and we went and toured an unnamed large mega church. And nine months later, Judah. Why? Because the moment that we stop wanting it for our reasons, the moment that we stop wanting it for our selfish intentions, and the moment we said, God, you have your will, God, you have your way in our lives, bam, it's there. And I know people have wondered, what kind of hippies are you that your child's name is Judah Wild Lamb? Anybody ever wondered? The moment that you found out his name was Judah Wild, and you didn't know him and know he is wild, that was... But his name is Judah Wild Lamb. Let me wonder out loud for you real quick. In Jesus' toughest battles, in the most trying times for Jesus, look what happens in verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, hey guys, we don't have like ravenous wolves and things that can eat us if we go out in our yard. So this right here was a big risk for Jesus. As a matter of fact, what Jesus is doing here, the people, the, the Jewish mindset was out in the wilderness, they hear these noises. We know that it's just creatures. But their mindset was that's where the unclean spirits are. That's where. Have you ever heard the expression where the wild things are? Okay. 
That's where the wild things are. And so Jesus goes against all rationale, all things that me and you go, that makes sense. He goes against all that and he goes out into the wilderness. And what does he do? Let's find out. He departed. He went out to a desolate place. The same kind of place that he found John the Baptist out in the wilderness. And there, he prayed. Does life have a tough battle in front of you right now, guys? You don't have to answer out loud. I know the answer is yes for every single person in this room. Are you praying about it? So what I thought. So Judah's name, because people would have thought we were really weird if we named him Judah a Ramos lamb. Right? Judah's name is Judah wild lamb. Because when we stopped wanting our thing and went to the wilderness to pray, that's when God provided. And every day... Every day that I see him, is a reminder, every day that I get to hold him, is a reminder that God is still working in his people. We have to be faithful. We've got to go to the Aramos. We've got to go and pray. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. Hey, guy who does all the miracles, we're just wondering where you are because we got some more miracles for you. Why? Because we'll try and use Jesus for our own personal gain. No, nobody in here has ever felt that one. Nobody in here has ever been on the opposite side of someone who was trying to use Jesus for their personal gain. And they found him and said to him, Our expectations! We want what we want. Everyone is looking for you. Jesus is out in the wilderness preparing for what is to come. And they're just going house to house asking everybody, Do you, Did your toe hurt? Like, you got something going on? Let's go bring you to the magic man. Because they still don't see it. And he said to them, look at this. Think of how disheartening this would have been, guys. They're stoking up a fire. They're getting everybody and saying, hey, anybody with a problem, come on. They've been building up their expectation of what life will look like. And what does Jesus say? Let's go on to the next towns. That I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. In that moment, we got a very clear purpose of who Jesus is and why He's here. In this moment, we have a very clear purpose of what we're called to do if we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Every single week, we end here with the Great Commission. 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Right? Y'all familiar? You should really be familiar at this point. And watch what happens. He went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus here we see in the early parts of Mark has a twofold ministry and is prioritized very intentionally. Preach the message, heal the sick. Why? Because preaching the message is what brought more to Himself. It is what drew the people to Himself. And I'm not talking about with their hurt foot and their plantar fasciitis. I mean, it brought weary souls to Him and said, what is this rest you speak of? And then He healed. Why? Because it was the ultimate proof of His authority. Remember back in the synagogue, what did they say? They said, what kind of teaching is this? What kind of authority is this? He doesn't teach like our, 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 our Pharisees. He doesn't teach like our scribes, like our Sadducees. He speaks like one who has authority. And to the end, Jesus preached His message with the authority that was given by God. So as I wrap us up, and as I pray for us today, I got to make some things very clear to you. What does your prayer life look like? Is your prayer life non existent? Then I can tell you why you don't feel the presence of God in your life. How often are you actually studying Scripture? We talked about that this morning in Sunday school. Not reading and flying through it. How often are you slowing down, chewing it up, and meditating on it? I can tell you why you're not feeling the presence of God in your life. When you have the, the healing, when you have the renewed heart, you should have been like, like Peter's mother-in-law and immediately began to serve. Even if you're still working on the things in your life, God had a purpose for you. God had a calling for you. And instead of serving like you were called to, you said, well, when I get this right, when I got that right, that's the same thing that kept you from Christ to begin with. And here you are, a, rene a renewed heart, and the same things that kept you from Him, you keep from using you. Well, if so-and-so found out what I did, then so-and-so needs to work on their heart. Let me read these verses of Scripture. and One will be very familiar to you, but I have to read it in context so you stop using it for your gain. Stop using it so that it looks like what you want it to look like. Stop using it like it came on a Hobby Lobby sign. Romans 8 and to pick up real quick, I'm just going to read this for you at verse 24. <clears throat> for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit 
helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Ruach HaKadosh, the Spirit of God within you, speaks out on your behalf with groanings that are too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And now that you've started to see the entirety, here's your Hobby Lobby verse. And we know that, we know that those who love God, all things work together for their good. For those who are called according to His purpose. But it don't just happen, guys. You gotta be faithful. You gotta serve Him. You gotta pray. You gotta study His Word. So this morning, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for you, and I wanna be very intentional about this. I, I, I do, I wanna be very intentional, and I wanna be very purposeful about this. As we pray in a moment, and as we, 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 we allow this invitational song to work in our hearts, what, what's really going on in your heart? If nobody was looking, if, if, if nobody was worried about what you had going on, what would you bring and lay at the foot of the cross? Mm. If nobody was, was fighting for your attention, if you weren't worried what anybody else had to say about you or thought about you, what would you bring and lay at the foot of the cross? So as we transition here, guys, let me just be very, very clear about something. It doesn't matter what someone thinks about you. It doesn't matter what they would think if you brought your sin and affliction to the foot of the cross because they got their own. And if they're that worried about you, they really need to be working through it. So in just a moment, as we sing out this invitational hymn, if you're drawn and you're led and you feel that the Spirit is working something in you, please don't leave this place before you bring it and lay it at the foot of the cross. I'm going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, we're just so thankful in this moment, Lord, that You are the God who provides, that You are the God of righteousness, God. And I'm, just, I'm so thankful this morning, God, that You would use a sinner like myself, God, that You would use someone unqualified like myself, God, that You would work these things out through broken vessels, God. And I just pray that this morning, Lord, if there's anyone here who, who has an oppression of any sort, any kind, God, that they bring it and lay it at the foot of the cross, that they stop carrying the baggage, they stop carrying anything with them that is not of You. We pray these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.